Hey there. If you want to support this show and the network that it exists on, consider going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. As of when this episode comes out, we're getting ready to roll out some new changes uh, to that, so keep an eye uh, on that space because we think it's pretty cool. Unrelated to that, I want to give a content warning. Uh, this episode concerns a chapter in the book that has some pretty rowdy depictions of some sexual acts, um, specifically uh, relating to sexual assault. Um, if that is something that is going to make your day worse by listening to us talk about it, um, consider um, skipping this episode maybe um, or going through um, uh, with uh, with the skip button or the fast forward button uh, kind of under thumb. Uh, if that will not bother you, then continue listening. Um, yeah, uh, let us continue. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Autumn Greer. Hey, that's me. Yeah, and by Jeremy Greer. Hello, I'm here as well. Yeah. Have we had both of you on an episode together? Only on the uh, Duck Feed bundle, or the uh, Diggity Duck bundle. Ah, uh, yes. The 1408 episode. Yeah, the 1408 so episode. This is the first publicly available episode. Yeah, and I, w- I would encourage people to go check that one out, because that was a lot of fun, and we talked about 1408. Yeah. Um, but um, it is great that you're both here, because this is an incredibly exciting chapter, of the wastelands uh door and demon the conclusion of the first book in this book the uh the fear and a handful of dust right and this is a good one too i don't know how y'all feel about it but i I love this chapter i love it yeah yeah i uh i was very much looking forward to this like when i first read this you know way way back when and by that i mean mm, about seven years ago um, <laughs> this was kind of the height i didn't know that it would get any better than what we see at the end of this section uh, it's surprising that your notes are so detailed for someone who read it for seven years ago these are really good <laughs> notes cole good job <laughs> well i mean i've read it i've read it multiple times since then <laughs> don't don't ruin my fan fiction this okay is my, this is my head canon you're ruining it <laughs> oh yeah i'm just calling i'm calling these notes up whole cloth from the uh from the ether from the mist uh seven years ago not not are th- oh, good are these are these actually the notes from all the toasts that you have with all of your like high school writings like are these your actual high school notes for your book book report <laughs> <laughs> no no i wasn't in high school seven years ago although sometimes it feels like it oh no autumn autumn just scroll down you can see that uh queens of the stone age logo that he drew at the end right 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 above <laughs> of the circle in the mansion <laughs> yep uh, I, I really drew a connection between that and certain tracks off of Rated R. Um, <laughs> so, so let's uh, let's let, let's get into it uh, because this is a really action-packed chapter, probably the most action-packed that we've seen uh, since the end of, um, of of the drawing of the three. And we we, we ought to get started. So last time, uh, you know, as we took a break from Roland, Eddie, and Susanna. Uh, traveling through the forest, we instead turned to look at uh, Jake uh, for the first time in a long time, you know, living his life in Manhattan in 1977, slowly going insane um, as he leaves school and finds a vacant lot with a very important rose um, and a key whose very presence seems to kind of ease his mental anguish from being both alive and dead at the same time. Um, and this is uh, kind of his first step toward reuniting himself with himself it's confusing. Go listen to the episode. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, his last act, his last thought uh, as he's sleeping is to kind of send this transmission um, into Roland's world, um, actually to Eddie, who is going to serve a very important role um, here. Uh, The message is tell him to grab the key. The key makes the voices go. Um, before we get into the the, the body of the chapter, um, I've done something that I've done before, uh, which is kind of disentangled some parts of this uh, story for linear discussion. Um, this is a chapter that goes back and forth with some frequency. And if we were changing gears all the time, it would actually be very confusing. And this episode would go on forever. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready. If if you if we want to make an infinite episode of Radio Free Midworld, I'm your man. Let's oh. do it. <laughs> yep, just a just a live stream, just a 24 hour live stream event. Uh, I've got this lifetime cleared, <laughs> so don't just, let's let's go. Let's do it. Um, yeah, but uh, like things are in a bad way. Like they're even worse than when we left them. And um, like I said, Eddie takes a, t- t- takes a pretty large role in this. And Autumn, I know in the past you have said that like, hey, this book is really the you know the song of Eddie, right? Uh, kind of like how later we get the, uh, the, 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 the song of Susanna, um, you know, and his whole role here is to make this key and act as kind of the midwife to bring Jake into this world. The first thing I want to say is I got to get me one of these keys, like keys, <laughs> like that help you go to sleep. Like that's key is better than a white noise app. It's better than an ambient. If you can't hear people's voices anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah um i think i think we could all use a magical um i was about to say persuasion key but that doesn't make any sense it's more of a hypnosis key i i love this thing and i actually had forgotten um (laughs) by forgotten i mean some somewhere along the line just got lost that um all of these artifacts that are you know and powerful and linked to roland roland's world like having a you know this uh kind of sway over people um doesn't just show up in the later books like it happens here like this key um is a talisman of huge power and we don't really see it to get we don't really see it get used a whole lot like uh besides jake kind of i don't know just (laughs) taking control basically of a of a group of (laughs) passerbys that we're going to get to a little bit later but it's it speaks to, to the fact of like these artifacts from roland's world which is much more magical than our own, carry that power into our world, which I think is really, really interesting. And we talked a little bit towards the end of the of the last episode about how close these worlds are getting together and how um, Jake's psychic connection to Eddie and back and forth are kind of show that that weakening, like that show these bonds kind of breaking down between the tower. And this, I think this is another symptom of that, right? Like this key probably shouldn't work in our world, but it, it still brings some of its power to it. Right, right. Yeah. And and like that, that barrier is going to get so, so thin as to be non-existent as this entire chapter is about opening that door between the two of them. Right. So that Jake can pass through without, uh, you know, without the uh, benefit of death. That was a weird I, way to phrase that. Good. I, I thought I thought that one thing that was kind of interesting about the key is that when Eddie holds the key, he hears nothing but voices, that being mm-hmm. his brother's voice telling him what a garbage person he is. <laughs> And it's exactly the opposite for Roland. He gets silence and Eddie gets voices, depending on who's talking, holding the key at any one time. 
yeah, that, that's a good point. The, the, that that is a very good point. I didn't notice that there was that there was that inversion because Eddie finally comes comes clear, you know, comes clean about um, what he is doing. You know, Roland and Susanna have seen him working on this thing, but he's been really embarrassed about it, and it's because of those voices, right? Um, he is carrying around his brother with him still, his brother Henry Dean. Um, who in this chapter I have concluded looks like Scott Farkas from uh, from the Christmas Story, you know the bully with the yellow eyes. <laughs> I, I don't. Who is the Scott Farkas from the Christmas Story? Now I got to now I got to Google you, you this. Know, you, know, you know, you know, Ralphie from the from the movie the movie's Christmas oh. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. it's it's yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a bully you. who he beats the shit out of while swearing, Excellent. and the the, the mm-hmm. physical violence and bloodying this kid is not the crime. The real crime is him swearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh that dude has a really prominent neck tattoo nowadays cole so you're uh, right on the money with oh, him being <laughs> fun um <laughs> good job <laughs> weirdly he uh he went on to be a pretty uh an active actor let's say i think he was uh christopher mm-hmm. titus's brother on the titus show and also uh he he played uh one of the supporting villains in a resident evil movie so hey he had a he had a he had a go of it <laughs> But uh, but he he probably st- he's not enough of a celebrity to not just go to H and R Block like I do mm. to to file his taxes right I I, I think so I, th- I think that he fell back into the H and R Block tier of society <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, but Eddie hands over the key you know embarrassed saying oh it's not really that good anyway um, and it makes the voices go away like Roland starts weeping openly this is the first time. You know, in all of the hardship and all of the travels that they've seen so far, that Eddie has seen this. You know, that, you and know, it, this is the first time that he was, I think he even says, like, it's something that he thought he would never, ever see is, yeah. is Roland openly crying in front of him. And man, it's, it's, I remember because they, they make Roland look so weak directly before this. Like, he, uh, Eddie is able to walk up to him without Roland noticing, which is something that, you know, Roland wouldn't do. He, he, he's looking and sounding like kind of weird. His eyes have this weird kind of haze to them. And, I just remember feeling very pitiful. I've, I remember thinking that Roland was very pitiful at this stage. And then yeah. when he grabs that key and is like, oh, my God, silence, and starts weeping. It's just so great. Like, you're like, yeah, the boys are back in town. They made it. <laughs> I mean, he's even talking. He's saying, like, you know what I hope happens after I die? You know, when I reach the clearing at the end of the path, I just hope there's some goddamn silence. i really like the way he even sleeps with it in his hand like a little baby like he Mm -hmm. falls asleep um and the imagery that he used it just reminds me of exactly how a toddler sleeps (laughs) just picture him popping it in like it's uh like it's maggie simpson's binky um yeah yeah he's putting Mm -hmm. one of those fingers on his left hand into his mouth to suck on it you know like (laughs) (laughs) one of his remaining thumbs (laughs) <laughs> yep. I'm really surprised that we don't he does it we don't get a scene where Roland just licks that little S curve that Eddie yep. keeps talking about, right? That'd be super mm, gross and delicious. apropos for a Stephen King novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so that resolves that at least momentarily. Meanwhile, back over in New York side, Earth, on, on Earth side, I guess, um we get a, a dream, you know, we get Jake's dream of um, finding Eddie shooting hoops in this mashup of Brooklyn and the Bears clearing. Um, I love the imagery here. I do too. This is really good. Yeah. Like Eddie wearing the shirt saying never a dull moment in Midworld and kind of talking to him in, in, in riddles almost. Oh, and it's also, it, it is a super young version of Eddie as well because, you know, Jake's when and Eddie's when are only separated by 10 years. 
And we're going to see that, you know, much like there was that coincidence with Jack Mort and Susanna over the years, they've seen each other before, both Eddie and Jake have. And so, like, yeah, the, they they have this weird connection with each one with one another. Which, as a as a kid reading this, I just like it. Stephen King's novels have always kind of kind of sort of connected together and always had like this weird overlapping fiction and mm-hmm. like seeing this kind of stuff just really, really worked for me. Like I would comb through every single word trying to find these these tiny connections and for <laughs> Jake to have just known Eddie basically like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I recognize that dude. He's wearing the Midworld shirt. That's weird. Yeah, because why not? Uh, was, was, yeah, it was really fascinating to me. I, I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is persuasive enough. You know, Eddie says, you know, basically it lays it all out saying, hey, I'm supposed to guide you. You know, I'm supposed to take you where you need to go, but you need to make sure that I don't see you, that Henry doesn't see you because he's kind of a real dick. And when he gets nervous, he, you know, starts acting weird. So just kind of hang back, will you? But he's got his mission, right? I, I thought that was really cool because, as we'll see later in the book with a character named Blaine, there's a, I guess, a smaller or younger version of Blaine that's basically the same, the same thing. Don't let him notice you. Don't let him hear you. That type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So so there, there's a lot of bullies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just got so I just finished um, listening to it um, on audiobook just because I've been doing a lot of stuff. Listening to audiobooks. Fine. You know, it's conducive to that. And um, yeah. Like this entire, like that book is kind of just about bullying in a lot of ways. It's about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but it's about the things that keep little kids down. Like it is interesting to see him, to see Stephen King's, you know, kind of nail that dynamic um, again in a very strong way that doesn't feel like it's repeating. Absolutely. I, I have a little game I like to play with myself when I'm reading it, which is which kid has it the worst? (laughs) <laughs> I, I know i know it's i know it's not i know it's not stan uris but um i don't know it, it's kind of up in the air which kids got it worse yep yeah um but this case is you know good enough that jake finally decides to go uh corroborating this is the fact that eddie gives jake the answer to aaron deep riddle hey it's a river dummy um and also says uh hey uh, my <laughs> Eddie doesn't say this. Uh, Jake notices. Oh, my knees are torn up from crawling through that clearing and trying not to step on the robots. <laughs> There's a moment in there too where Eddie shoots a basket, and when it goes through the net, the ball disappears, which is some <laughs> next level slam dunk shit. Like that would <laughs> that would win any any NBA slam dunk contest, right? You you, you like. Bam! I, I made the ball disappear. Take that, MJ. I, I think uh, I, I think some men in black suits would come and whisk you away to the uh, to the to the Academy for Dark Basketball Science. That's why nobody talks about Scottie Pippen anymore because that's what happened to nope. him. He made one basketball disappear, and the world made him disappear. Yep, <laughs> he could, Pippen could not be. <laughs> Good Pippen pole. He is he, he is the funniest of the uh, of the of the Chicago Bulls stream team. Um, Absolutely, he's he's the he's the Chicago Bull most likely to have a failed stand up routine, right? Like that's definitely Scotty Pippen. Yep. <laughs> this is all just viral marketing for my Scotty Pippen cast. So let's <laughs> yeah. keep going. <laughs> just call it Pippen cast, and a bunch of people come in thinking it's either about the Lord of the Rings or about that musical. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nope. Catfished. Um. <laughs> But um, this case is convincing enough that Jake decides, hey, I'm going to get out of Dodge. 
um, and, and I guess more accurately get to Dodge by heading into this Western world. Um, and he leaves kind of a heartbreakingly terse note to his parents. Um, his drafting process for this is actually is actually pretty sad to me because because like oh I'm leaving you forever. Um, if I was just going away for a little bit, this would you know this would have been easier. And he looks in his heart trying to find something of meaning to say to his parents, you know, trying to you know give them back something that they have given to him, and there is nothing. Just absolutely nothing. It's so sad. He's even like, am I going to tell them? Should I tell them that I'll miss them? Because that's probably not true. And I'm like, Jake, you're a kid. Just lie to your parents. Just lie to them. (laughs) It's okay if it's not true. They won't ever know because you will literally disappear. (laughs) Or, I mean... Yeah, this this is really really sad. I, I, I like that Jake goes in here and steals like his dad's gun, which is why he, he sees this thing. Um, I just I like the idea of him like, well, I've got to carry my own gun to go meet the gunslinger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this this note is just very heartbreaking. Just that that you know, please take care of yourselves. Love Jay. Like, that's, that's not a <laughs> dictated yeah, but not <laughs> P.S. Don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> Have a later. great summer. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's shoes never worn. Bye, Mom. <laughs> he just rides away on his Heelys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Does Jake have Heelys? Because that would be a really great turn in the in the, in the movie, I think, if he oh, had some Heelys. Oh, my gosh. If he has Heelys and that's how he gets mm-hmm. out of – that's how he solves most of his most of his problems. Like instead of <laughs> – oh, it's, it's, it's Heelys, but they're also those soaps grinding shoes. So when Roland drops yes. him from the, from the railroad trestle, he just, just grinds along the rails and it's like – flips up double birds and says later boners and he's gone forever go then roland there are other 720s than these (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh smash cut to midworld again because um as they as, as roland and the gang are uh kind of going through the forest and getting getting to the end of it they find the remains of an old coach road and they get a history lesson about the old ones who built this gigantic thing and they also see a billy bumbler which uh roland do, uh, does not want to eat in fact says hey they're tough they're sour and i'd rather eat dog well we, we should probably mention what a billy bumbler is these are going to going to be important later on um but uh these are like uh it's really inconsistent the way they describe them. It's like a cross between a dog and a raccoon, but with a coiled, springy tail and eyes that have rings in them. Am I missing something? No, I'm. I, I can picture the body of it, but I've never been able to picture the tail. I just haven't seen any kind of mammal or marsupial with a curly tail. Yeah, I guess. I guess a pig, but that's a tiny tail. Yeah, it's like it's like that's like a corkscrew. These are described as uh, like bed springs. I don't know. I, I just, I just, I, I don't get this. In my head, this has always been kind of like a, almost like a ferret creature, like a bigger ferret, basically, with like a, a real expressive face. Because I just, I don't, I, I've never really understood exactly what, what Stephen King is going for with this creature. <laughs> so, so you picture that little fox that was riding the dog in that Dark Crystal movie, right? What, yeah, absolutely. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I never really thought about it, but sure, yeah, let's go with that. Oh, are, oh, are you thinking of, I, I don't mean to, well, actually, you hear, you hear but uh, The Labyrinth? Where the, the where, lab, where, yeah, no. where, where he's like yeah. the where's like the medieval knight and he speaks in a real, real shrill voice. You know, I, I guess maybe I missed that because because how old were we at the time, Jeremy? I was probably in my early fifties then. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I was fifty one, fifty two, something like that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's been a little while. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I just recently re- rewatched a labyrinth. Otherwise, I wouldn't have caught it. There might be another another fox creature in a Jim Henson production. 
Oh, no, no, Autumn, like Autumn and I are on the same wave, wavelength of, of the Labyrinth versus the Dark Crystal. I, I commonly get those movies mixed up for no reason whatsoever. Uh, like they're not very much alike besides, you know, puppets, but right, <laughs> right. And, and also one has David fucking Bowie. So you think I would realize what the difference is. But, yeah. <laughs> one of them would have stood out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sir Didymus. That's what I've always pictured it as is, is that little fox terrier in Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, Sir Didymus. Um, like all I can see, like there are some, there are some illustrations of of Oi, the Billy Bumper that we meet, that we meet later. But like essentially, it's just a dog with a human face who can also talk. <laughs> like that's the, that's a little bit the effect that they're going for. Like if this was a modern day thing, I would think that oh, he's just trying to sell plushes or sell uh, like sell toys of you know of this because yeah, he's like, an Ewok. Yeah, Ewok would also be would also be a good a good uh, a good uh, a good comparison. A good know. thing that you Misa make go beam, Roland. Misa go beam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, but you, yeah, you have chose poorly getting two Greers on this podcast. We're just gonna not ever get to the end of this, Nicole. I'm so no, sorry. No, <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I think I think we're giving people the content that they crave. I I, I think that the, the 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 dual Greer it was going to have to happen eventually um, for the wider mm-hmm. world. Uh, things did not end catastrophically on the 1402 episode. So we'll, we're, we're, I think we're fine. I think we're fine. <laughs> um, um, I don't mean to well actually you, but it was actually 1408. Ah, shit. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Now we are, now we are even. Man, I felt really bad Ooh, about that. <laughs> ooh thank God. <laughs> so they see these, uh, these Billy Bumblers. And this is just like, a, it's a little bit of, at this point, it's a little bit of flavor, right? Like, oh, they have these, they have these very strange animals here that taste worse than dog good to know um what doesn't taste worse than dog is something that i desperately want to recreate i'm positive a a recipe for it exists but the gunslinger burrito what i think of now it oh i was gonna say what i think of nowadays is like rolling into chipotle and they're like what are you gonna have and i'm like a burrito and they're like what kind of meat and i'm like dried please (laughs) and then then they're like what kind of salsa and i'm like i'll have leaves thank you (laughs) yes and and a dollop of your uh, cheapest olive oil, please. <laughs> so I can wrap all this together. Uh, we're, we're Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Gilead Chipotle. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, but but it's them. Like Roland says, hey, this is a way to a way to prepare this meat that is that that is very good. It's dried deer meat uh, wrapped in leaves that taste like a stronger version of spinach. Which hey, sign me up. Um, and they're meant mm. to be portable. And you just eat them. They're like little uh, little little spinach wraps. And that sounds great. And when we call them gunslinger burritos, it should be noted that that's definitely uh, an Eddie name. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the gunslinger does not call them the gunslinger burritos. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, uh, Eddie even later says, oh, they're burritos a la Roland or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm but just... Roland, Roland probably just calls them popkins, right? Like as a, yeah. a gunslinger burrito is a popkin, right? Yeah. Okay, is a burrito a popkin? Is a hot dog a popkin? No, okay. no, no. As, as a slack mod, I will I will start kicking people from this channel if we get into another sandwich discussion. I'm just going to say I, that I, really. I, so, so so that's the joke. That's the joke. Is that it's tired? I'm sorry that I poked you. Oh no 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 no! I'm I'm, I'm just joking. Although I am serious about slack channels. Watch out, you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, watching. Yeah. If the if the Radio Free Midworld channel turns into that discussion, I'm going to be very upset. I'm- <laughs> 
I'm, I'm just glad that I, I set the trap and you guys took the bait. <laughs> no. Um, so um, a couple things happen here. Um, as they are uh, having their conversation over over these burritos, you know, both Roland and Susanna like are are pressuring Eddie a little bit because he is procrastinating on finishing the key and they know why Henry. Right. And like, man, oh, man, this whole process of making the key just makes me think, oh, um, this is Stephen King responding to people putting pressure on him to continue working on books like this entire Eddie's entire block and the voice that he hears in his head reads so much to me like writer's block mm-hmm. being afraid of fucking it up, you know, thinking that he's going to get almost there, but not quite, you know? Yeah. If he just did one blog about a football team, then I would expect this was actually written by George R.R. R. Martin, but instead <laughs> he's just trying to carve this key. He's just trying to carve this key. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Also here, they find a marker at the edge of the forest, which which says, Traveler, beyond lies Midworld. Now, this is confusing because, hey, this podcast is called Radio Free Midworld. Haven't they been in Midworld? Well, yes and no, (laughs) because Midworld is the name for Roland's level of the tower itself more generally, right? Like that is, you know, what is used commonly for it. But Midworld is one of the three kind of stripes of this land in world being or in world being where Gilead was, Midworld being where Lud will eventually be, and then uh, End World being where the tower is. So it is a little bit of a uh, what is that a metonymy? It is it, it is a larger name for a smaller thing. I did while we we're talking about them traveling have a question um, since I'm on the line with two other super fans. Yeah. There was a moment earlier where Jake decides that he's going to go, um, he turns left to go down the left-handed path. And then there's a point where the gang is um, traveling with the wheelchair and they opt to take the left-hand wheel rut. Mm-hmm. I know we saw in Rose Matter that um, Norman said that people usually just follow the direction of their dominant hand. Are any mm-hmm. of the characters in this left-handed? Or do we have any uh, South notable- Paws? Notably, Roland is now. He, he's enforced. <laughs> yeah, um, Roland whacks off with his left hand, but he's dominant. Yeah. He's dominant with his right hand in other, in other, um, you know, activities. Okay. <laughs> Non-masturbatory activities. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I was having trouble thinking of that word. Um, <laughs> um, I can't recall if um, if if either Eddie or Susanna or Southpaws. I think Susanna maybe, um, but um, but yeah. Just curious. I think um, I think that Jake is as well because if I remember correctly, his doctor's clutch, like his uh, shoulder holster, is under his right arm. Okay. Yeah. So there's at least that. <laughs> and watch watch me be wrong because literally this is just a uh, this is just a coin flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could, it could it could be anything, and it probably changes throughout the book. If I had to guess. <laughs> oh yeah, because we did. Because we know how Stephen King do. So yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna get to that because there's some confusion about what Keystone Earth is. But that's a couple of books down the a uh, couple of books down the way, isn't it? But yes, there is there is that. But they are you know Roland marks this occasion you know as momentous because hey you know we have passed beyond the you know the first the first of our uh, kind of uh, milestone markers here. You know we are probably one third of the way there. Which is ridiculous because they've been traveling for like three weeks, <laughs> and Roland has been traveling for thousands of years, basically. Yep. I uh, 
Roland gets kind of emotional right here, right? Like he's like, I just can't believe that I, you know, that I've made it this far or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's, it just, it makes me think like, Roland, what, what did you expect was going to happen? Like what, <laughs> and, and we're going to get to it eventually about how, you know, how he came to, you know, have this obsession with the dark tower. But even right now, I remember thinking like, what, what did you think you were going to go through? <laughs> what did you, did you think you were going to be on a boat? <laughs> did you think that there was going to be some sort of like express lane? Yeah. Was like, there going to be some kind of think- magical train that took you almost all the way there? Yeah, and so it's it's interesting to me that he sees this and is is kind of surprised by it. When I mm-hmm. I would have sort of expected him to to know what was ahead of him to yeah. at least to a small degree, especially once they get on the beam. So, uh, but I, I like it though. I, I, I like that there, there's this huge marker here that separates worlds. That's that's really yeah. nice. So yeah, I mean, so so there's another read on that, which is given all the hardship and everything that he's been through over you know basically everything since the fall of Gilead to now, you know he never should have made it this far. You know, mm. so so that that could also be the disbelief as well. But he is he is pretty excited about seeing the river send. Holy shit! It's the river send. I never thought I'd see it. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it, it's got to be like one of those things where you're on a vacation, like with your parents, and mm-hmm. you like cross a state line, and you're like, "Wow, Texas, here we are!" But like, you still have 800 miles to go. You know, like <laughs> it, it feels like you're doing something, but you're really not. It's momentous, but you're really not there. Right. Right. Who knows? But like things are different. They can see pretty far. Eventually, you know, we'll we'll get to what they what what they end up seeing. Um, but everything is kind of focused around this task of making this key. Um, I love this line that Eddie has because, like a lot of people who depend on substances, he just thinks, "Man, if only if only I had X, I would be able to do this easily." Thinking if he had heroin, he would be able to focus and, you know, blot off the voices and continue going about it. I love this quote uh, when Susanna asks him, like, hey, what's up? Why, you know, why, why do you have that look on your face? He says, I was just thinking about how stupid some people can be. You put them in a room with six doors, they'll still walk into the walls and then have the nerve to bitch about it. That is an excellent, excellent quote. I, I, I crack up um, now, I guess, being a modern reader with Eddie's thinking that some heroin's going to help him finish that key. Because <laughs> I, I, I have to imagine that that's what everybody on Pinterest is thinking. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I just had some heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I, could craft, I, could, I could craft the shit out of that. Yeah, pe- people don't know that Pinterest is just a legitimate front for the Silk Road. <laughs> it's hidden in plain sight. Yeah, I, I I posted this great pin of my works for my black tar heroin on my heroin page. Yep, my heroin board. I, I, I always I always knew those moms were just a little bit too perfect. <laughs> uh. <laughs> These are the keys I carved after doing key bumps. Let's go. <laughs> I, I really like this um, uh, in a room with six doors that are still walking to the walls. I, I really like that quote. Um, mm-hmm. It's it it's it's something that I think a lot of people have experienced of just being like, why do I keep doing these same stupid things over and over again, even though mm-hmm. I've given the, I've been given the opportunity so many times to to not do them. So it, it's just it, Stephen King has a way of expressing things that just really really gets me. And this is this is one of them. I, when I read it again today to kind of catch up with the show, I. I was I, I just remember like turning it over in my head several times and thinking about the way it sounds and just really really liking it. So a good metaphor is a wonderful thing and it kind of encapsulates a, a lot of kind of what Eddie is going through and to an extent what you know Jake is going through as well. You have the doors there, you have them being trapped and kind of trying to break out of these old hindrances that they had. 
you know, before, right? Like Eddie, no matter where he goes, he has carried, you know, not just, you know, the, the, the demon heroine on his back, but carried his brother around on his back as well. Like he is stuck in these patterns, no matter how many, no matter how many doors he's presented with, he's in a different world and he's still walking into the same wall. Hmm. Yeah. That is really clever because I mean I guess with that that line as well I mean he's he's obviously been through a couple doors this whole book is about pulling somebody through another door um, <laughs> and I, I guess you're right he really hasn't gotten out of some of his mindsets he's no. still stuck in the room no matter how no matter how many doors he goes through Ooh. <laughs> yep um, so let's talk about what they see when they cross this ridge because it kind of lays out um, most of what we're going to be encountering uh, the first thing way off in the distance is a skyline that looks a little bit like New York. Um, and this brings up some complicated feelings. Um, you know, both Eddie and Susanna notice the similarity um, and they have different reactions because, you know, they, they, they like they have a complicated feeling about how much they actually miss New York, whether given the opportunity, they would go back. And both of them kind of know that they wouldn't because this is where they you know that, that this is where they need to be now. I, really... I like this too, because. Go ahead, Autumn. I, I was just going to say what I really liked was Roland's description when he's talking about what the city represented, that it was um, the things we were trying to hold on to, like truth and light, before the darkness overtook us. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that what happened was they, they wiped the climate change data off of the Midworld EPA website. Mm. I mean, that that, <laughs> yep. that that must have been the start of what brought it all down. Yeah, they uh, this is, so so Ludd pulled out of the Kala, the, the Kala Accords. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perfect. Fucking, it was all. It was all over. The fucking nightmare world we live in. Bingo, uh, Bingo Skank was just a tweet that was interrupted by a staffer. Unfortunately, that's, that's the that's the that's the thing that we're gonna we're, isn't really told in the books, but I bet Stephen King would definitely write now. It is. Oh, of course. Exactly. Exactly. My my new deputy of communications, Bingo Skank. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I like this because uh Susanna and Eddie both kind of have the same the same thought. I mean, they're thinking about this city differently, but like Susanna looks at it and is like, I would give anything to see the skyline, uh the Manhattan skyline from such and such bridge. And then she thinks to herself, No, no, that's actually not true. I I, I would be here in Roland's crazy world because of Eddie. And Eddie kind of has the same thought of like, This is the reason that I'm here. Mm -hmm. I don't but I I just like the fact that these two are it just so incredibly in love in about five minutes like they, and God bless them. God bless the both of them. Cause if it happens it for you, it happens for you. But mm -hmm. man, like it's, it's literally been like 10 minutes and I know they've been through a lot, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really like Eddie's kind of next thought, which is, you know, trying to picture what is there. He thinks, Oh, it may be, it may be inhabited, you know, that may be full of Americans is what he thinks of them as, you know, he's just he's thinking of right thinking people. Um, and he even goes so far as to picture a council of elders, you know, straight out of the dark crystal, which is, which is mentioned, um, in this weirdly enough, or, uh, the last starfighter that gives them, uh, you know, this AAA approved red line map showing them the route directly to the tower, you know, and sending them off with an entire armory of guns. Like he is picturing just the most deus exe of deus ex machinas. <laughs> <laughs> but even he knows that that is uh that is too much to hope for yeah it's uh it's it's heartbreaking knowing what they're going to find there because both of them do have some form of hope about what is going to what is going to await them in this you know in this civilization right and we're not gonna have to wait too long to actually see that 
to see to in, see in them Eddie, in Eddie's own words, like bring on those fucking wise elves, right? Like he's so excited about it. It's, <laughs> he says it's, that to Susanna. It's very with, charming. He says that to Susanna without any context. It's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I married a moron. <laughs> Eddie, uh, Eddie's wisecracks and his kind of sarcastic and smartassery in general usually really, really works for me. And there's cases where it doesn't. But the this this specific chapter, like this section of this book, is really good Eddie stuff for me. Like I just I love it so much. And he's even young Eddie gets in a couple of really good lines later on. So like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm just digging the hell out of this. This is this is like if you're on Team Eddie, like I am, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now. This is good stuff for you. <laughs> uh, note to self: make Team Eddie T-shirts. I don't know what the other team would be, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, you might get uh, you might get sued by Twilight. Didn't they have an Eddie on their team? There was a team Edward. Um, hmm. uh, uh, trap sprung. We know you read Twilight. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you you know that I was alive sometime between 2007 and 2012, and was aware true, of the world true. around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think your dog That's agrees true. with. Me. <laughs> Sorry, I heard your dog shake shake its collar around. Um, what they also see is a is a speaking circle, much like the one that you know Roland encountered way back in book one uh, with the uh, with the oracle that almost got Jake, uh, and we know what's gonna be coming. Um, I actually I, I, I said it at the top of the yeah, episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I I should also say it here. We're gonna get into some pretty rowdy uh, stuff related to sexual assault um, toward the end of this chapter, and so if that is going to make your day worse, please consider whether or not listening on is going to be uh the best thing um for you is that is that an, enough of a disclaimer do you think i think you got it yeah okay cool so <clears throat> good oh, i was just gonna say it's hard to tell in later in the book who's sexually assaulting whom yeah it's uh it's it, it's a little bit it's a little bit more nuanced i think but it's still not uh it's it's still not great on its face um no. So let's talk about crafting the key because Eddie knows that he needs to finish it by the time they get to that speaking tree, <laughs> the speaking tree. That's weird uh, to that speaking circle. <laughs> um, but he's really anxious and kind of kind of whiny about it because like he knows like he, he almost goes into a panic attack and Roland puts like puts on the pressure. This almost turns into a standoff. You know, I think it absolutely turns into a standoff like uh, he, he he basically slaps Eddie across the face to try to get him <clears throat> to try to, you know, get Eddie to get maintain control of himself and yeah. eddie immediately drops to the to the revolver like he's and he's gonna, he's like kind of threatening to shoot yeah roland <laughs> and that's like Susanna like tries to jump in and roland's like you you need to stay out of this this is between me and him like we're gonna have this conversation which is scary as hell like how cold is ice is roland right here and how terrible is are these court teachings that he's obviously using right now that he, he just smacks somebody upside the head when they feel afraid yeah and and once again, when he says that um, he understands that whining and puling won't solve his problems, Gilead hates whiners. Yep. <laughs> no whining in Gilead. Yeah. Or midworld. <laughs> Just to be safe, uh, all, all world. Let's say all world. Yeah. No, no, no whining whatsoever. Um, like when when Eddie draws on Roland, like Roland immediately remembers David as Hawk, thinking, "Hey, he was my friend, but he would not have." hesitated to peck my eyes out or to go through or to go for my throat and you know eddie is my as my david now and you know eddie is the new hawk and he could he could turn so like this is really a gamble to try and straighten him out you know he gets the, he gets the admission you know i'm afraid you numb fuck don't you understand that um but like 
Roland needs to get Eddie to recognize that, yeah, he's brave. He's done much more than this. It was like uh, out of all the trials that they've had so far, the one that is giving Eddie the most pause and something that I kind of put together is that Eddie's role, you know, his gun, you know, the gun that he slings is creativity, right? Like, yeah, he's a good shot, but Susanna like surpasses him in that. We see here that like his, his entire role, you know, the, like when, when, when the cold, you know, when the cold clarity falls over him, you know, the goal he's trying to trying to complete is one of creation. And, you know, in the next book at the very beginning of that, you know, he is a gunslinger with his words, you know, with it, with his mouth and with his, uh, let's say his own particular flavor of riddles, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's like, it doesn't just mm-hmm. have to be, it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't just have to be, um, you know, a, a gun that you sling, right? Like this is, this is his role is to, is to create, it's something a little bit more ephemeral, right? You know, this is the second time that um, Roland's almost gotten shot by a member of his team. And, you know, they're, they're, they're in this book and there were some dicey moments earlier in the, the previous book. Uh, what is what is like suicide by cop is a thing. Like, it's like Roland's trying to commit suicide by cotet. Like, <laughs> like, like if I just antagonize my cotet enough, they're going to put me out of my misery and I don't have to worry about finding the tower. I'm surprised that I don't have uh, to chase this goddamn tower anymore. <laughs> I'm surprised that neither Eddie nor Susanna just thought of winging him. You know, okay, I'll shoot, but I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna hit your shoulder or something to get you yeah. to shut up. <laughs> Take two Aston and call me in the morning, bitch. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but like this is enough to get Eddie to put what he thinks is the finishing touches on this. You know, like it's it's most of the way there, um, and even you know is almost ready to call it complete, but then he gets second second thoughts. Again, I'm just going to read the quote here, um, you know, regarding him saying, oh, it's not right yet. He says, hey, that's just Henry again. Uh, that's all those years of never quite being good enough. You did it, buddy. It's just the Henry inside that doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Voices. Voices and other people dancing around in your head. Right now, Susanna is like the most well-adjusted, mentally stable person in the quartet. <laughs> Which Go. is really saying something. Go. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, she's got her shit under control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she uses that thing. She, she uses Detta like a superpower in this in this chapter specifically. Yeah. Go, go back a couple of months and take that, take that sentence back out of context. You're right. Susanna has her shit on point. <laughs> a couple of months but, colt 10 minutes ago <laughs> like, oh yeah I, it I was, feels I was, like no time has passed whatsoever i know i keep saying 10 minutes and i'm doing that as a joke people i'm not i don't mean literally 10 minutes <laughs> no, but it, yeah. it really feels like no time has passed since you know they, they drew her into this world i was even just thinking of like the show go back a couple of months in episodes and hear us like you know kind of defending her portrayal like no no like, oh yeah understand mm-hmm. she becomes a really solid bro <laughs> that's true that's yeah. true oh but the more is, oh, good. I was going to say it is really nice though when Roland and Eddie kind of make up and Roland's they're going back through with the forgotten the face of your father and everything. Your father sees you very well, Eddie. I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's a really nice little moment, and it makes me feel like there could be a market for maybe like a one nine hundred number where someone pretends to be your dad and tells you that he's proud of you. <laughs> oh, there totally would be. Dad chat. It totally is. Yeah. There, there, there has to be already like Tumblr has already invented this with their weird daddy fetish. I oh, guarantee you. I'm, yeah. 
<laughs> like, like I would pay one ninety nine a minute to have somebody be like, Autumn, I'm your dad, and I'm really proud of what you did at work today. So yeah. proud of you. Like, uh, great. Let, 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 let's take Autumn, this. Autumn, I just have one question. Why buy the cow when you already have the milk for free? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we live in the same house. <laughs> but but, it's, but it's, let's, let's, go, let's go one step further and just make it, make it like an Uber for somebody to come and have a catch with you. You know? <laughs> Like man, I could really use I could really use some catch right now. <laughs> Let me dial a dad and get a dad over here to play catch. Dial a dad, I love it. <laughs> it's 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 a catch escort service though. I mean, everything is above board and legal. So yeah, so you see that, that, that sure, that's the sure. thing that would that would immediately turn into prostitution. Yeah, I'm not a whore. I'm a baseball player. Okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but as the morning breaks uh in the distance they hear they hear a sound um i think it's a uh, uh oh gosh eddie thinks it's drums roland thinks it's machinery and um i think Susanna thinks it's a heart you know beating off in the distance of the city uh and that's a cool reveal when we get to it it, it relates to the opening yeah. of the show <laughs> um now let's go back over to jake's side of things because um Time works differently between these two worlds, and this is something they realized in this chapter. But, um, you know, um, I, I think it's like what one of them moves slower in relation to the other. What has been several days for uh, for Roland, Susanna, and Eddie has been, you know, a few hours for Jake as he, you know, heads out of his house and starts walking kind of subconsciously southeast, trying to make his way into Brook Brooklyn from Manhattan. And he has himself a, like a nice little day out on, you know, on the town. <laughs> there's I there's really one part like where this. I really love this. <laughs> it's like I, I've, lived, I've lived in the city my whole life, but I've never done these things. There was one point though where he stops for a knee high and a sweet sausage, and I'm like, is this the Great Depression? Like, <laughs> were people drinking knee like highs in the eighties? <laughs> like, I, I remember I, I remember references to knee high and uh, oh. like in Mash, right? I just feel like I've only seen the knee-high logo in old Cracker Barrel country stores. <laughs> it is a real Cracker Barrel kind of thing, isn't it? Wait, I, I guess I was confused. What is the chocolate drink that's... I thought uh, that was knee-high. That is, is Yoo-Hoo. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I was thinking he was drinking, like, chocolate and sausage, and I was like, this is a really weird combination, but whatever, Jake, you do you. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is, this is some sort of soft drink. Okay, this makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Uh, it's maybe... Like, oh, good. I was going to say, maybe Stephen King got a cease and desist after that Pepsi in the previous book. Mm. You know, he got, he got a letter from Pepsi <laughs> Had to Corp. change brands. <laughs> you, you, you raise people's expectations too high. They think it's some kind of miracle tonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Book book seven. They're all drinking tab. <laughs> Delicious. The, the the dark tower is just a can of tab stuck into the horizon that has been uh, drawn over with a sharpie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, he goes to a museum and he uh, absconds. Like he, he blends in with a group of a uh, group of kids uh, who are obviously from not a private school. Right. It's 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 all Kmart for these kids. Uh, even though he mm. doesn't say that with a lot of malice, that's all I can hear when somebody says, "Oh, they're they're they're, they're just Kmart kids." <laughs> a little bit of a dick thing. Yeah, I was really sensitive to uh, like designer clothes stuff as a kid because I, you know, we I, we didn't like, and I don't want to make it sound like my family was dirt ass poor or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just like like I wasn't rocking Jabos. Like I wasn't that kid. But like yeah. for whatever reason, 
the social strata in Southern Louisiana was apparently really, really dependent upon the kind of blue jeans you wear. So like I, I do the same thing that you did, Cole. As soon as I heard like, oh, they're strictly Kmart, I was like, oh, wow, they're shitty children. Why don't their parents love them? <laughs> they're, they're, they're garbage monsters. Garbage Kmart kids. We, we call them blue light specials. <laughs> Uh, but but Jake, you know, he, he he's playing hooky, you know, he's truant, but he's looking at pictures of these Western scenes um, outside. He runs into a cop who he believes is looking for him. You know, he, he thinks his parents uh, reported him missing. Um, and he says, like, oh, you know, I've got my I've got my discount card here, uh, my ID from Midworld Lanes. Wait, I mean, Midtown Lanes. Um, and he escapes attention by creating a scene. He pulls out the key and it acts as this kind of like glamour this object of fascination like it draws a crowd it stops the it stops the cop from asking questions and just like it gives him cover to escape which is weird it's cool but it's weird i i, I mean if there's anybody that could wield a power like that you know it's going to be jake because he's cool yeah but yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's just something that we haven't really seen before we've seen jake get hypnotized but we haven't seen i mean jake exert this level of mind control Yep. I mean, we're going to see this again in book number book number six with the Sculpida. Um, and I can say that because it is a nonsense word um, <laughs> where Susanna basically makes somebody is uh, her uh, her servant with it. By, by oh, Yeah, I, I just finished that book and I wish you and I could high five in real life right now. Excellent reference. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I like how uh, Jake kind of gets himself into trouble with this. He's like, um, "Okay, now everybody is looking at me, and now I don't know how to leave, so I'm just going to run away." Yep, <laughs> he <what>? jets. <laughs> he says, "Like, hey, w- w- way to be discreet." Uh, yeah, <laughs> not to draw attention. Um, <laughs> he gets into Brooklyn and he starts seeing some midworld graffiti. You know, says like, "Oh, I cry your pardon." You know, a rose is a rose is a rose, um, and he eventually gets close to. Uh, near where Eddie lives, to the point where he is admiring some pictures of Clint Eastwood outside of a theater and sees Henry uh, bullying the ticket girl. Henry sucks. Henry's a piece of shit. What a, what a <laughs> shitbag Henry is, y'all. Jeez. This dude, like, why would you steal someone's paper and then, like, slap them upside the head with it? You, yeah. you, just, you piece of crap. Like, you're a dog turd. You're just miserable. <laughs> He torments this. <laughs> he torments this woman, and when she gets upset, he says, "Oh, you must be on the rag." Like, what, what a piece of shit! And like, Jake, Jake's got him clocked, right? Uh, I, I, I love this quote because it feels very, it feels very apropos. You know, Jake on looking at uh, Henry says, "It was the face of a kid who would think at the height of hilarity to douse a cat's tail with lighter fluid or feed a bread ball with a fish hook planted in the middle to a hungry dog." Asshole! I'm glad you got decapitated. Asshole. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You deserve to die on the nod singing Johnny Cash. Yeah. You, you giant <laughs> asshole. Uh, and, you know, and, and like for making Eddie's life miserable, like, I don't know, just like this, this bully character. I can't stand it. I, what I like about the, the quote that you just said, too, is there's a regular bully that makes fun of you, but there, there's an edge to Henry that's to the point of, I mean, you could chase a cat or throw rocks at it, but like the lighter fluid thing, it's just on the edge of violence, like where you don't know what to expect with him. I thought mm-hmm. that was really evocatively, I, I guess, described. Wait a second. Let me, let, let me do something here. I'm doing some, I'm doing some, uh, um, last minute comparisons here. Oh God. I thought you were about to bully me. I was getting scared. <laughs> Jeez. No, no. 
how strange i was like it, it's it's weird that i didn't draw this connection before but the bully in it henry bowers oh he's his twin yeah he's a twinner oh what a garbage twin oh interesting <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's really funny I, wow twins <laughs> twins <laughs> There we go. Huh. I, I I can't believe I didn't draw that connection until now. Huh. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> like and, and like Eddie Eddie is kind of managing him like he's a like, like like he's a psych patient or something. Like his it his heart isn't really in. He's like, oh, stop torturing that woman, Henry. And when they go and play basketball, you know, Jake is following them because like he recognizes Eddie as the kid from his dream. Like when they're playing basketball, like Jake notices that Eddie is like blatantly letting him win, even though Henry is the you know like missing layups, you know it bounces up and it doesn't even hit the rim. Like he just you know Henry, if he if he plays well, he knows that he's going to catch shit. So this is the only way that he can get through without being hassled. You know, you could probably write a whole set of lyrics for this scene with the the Fresh Prince, right? Like in, mm-hmm. in Co-op City, Eddie Born and Raised on mm-hmm. the playground was where he spent most of his days. Yeah. Like you could probably do the whole thing. Yeah. And and, and then some greys that were up to no good started making trouble. Yeah. 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 Wait, wait. <laughs> I got in one gunfight and my car got scared yeah. and said, you're going with Roland through a door in the mm-hmm. air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. There yep, we go. There you, go. you nailed it. You nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah. The license plate said crimson and there was dice in the mirror. Huh? <laughs> nice. Who? <Huh? Nice>. <laughs> Go to the Radio Field Midworld YouTube to see a fully animated video of the no, kidding, 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 kidding. <laughs> a fully animated like full-length mu- music video, that would have to be a milestone tier. Wait, Cole, oh, yeah, did, did you did you retain animation rights for the Radio Free Midworld podcast? <laughs> Fuck! Oh no, <laughs> I sold them away, Cole. <laughs> I, I sold them with the novelty hat rights. <laughs> Damn! Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so, with that in mind, we also have a little bit of psychological torture, as you know, Eddie is begging Henry to take him to the spooky house that he's seen and heard about, and Henry turns around and says. Oh, didn't you hear there were some teens who were found dead with all their blood gone? In that house, you know, where I'm going to take you. Bye. Yeah, this is, the the blood gone thing is just so uh, kids fucking with kids, right? Like, this is just the kind of stuff that people would just make up or hear about and then embellish and to pass on. I, I love it so much because, like, you, it instantly goes into, like, vampire. Your mind goes to vampires or crazy weird mummies or you know death rituals or whatever but like it's just it's it's all just like made up kid stuff and it's exactly it we keep talking about it and this whole this whole section of the book really it just really makes me think of it so much with these like young kids doing some horror shit i I love Mm -hmm. it yeah i mean like the mansion is explicitly a reference to the house on uh, Nebold street you know like it's uh like I, I don't know it might just be because i decided to you know listen listen to that book that i'm drawing these connections but it's definitely there yeah but like so you you say hey the you know the 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 blood being gone may be uh like oh henry's just fucking with him but like knowing what happens in book 5 and beyond like mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that could be in play like mm-hmm. and, and and also henry like gets deadly serious uh when like when he mentions this part like the, like this is something that he actually heard and it might not be might not be the thing that he is uh might not be the thing that he's making up you know 
Jeremy, are, are you taking notes on this for your supernatural um, crossover fan fiction? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's already written, Autumn. I'm so not to take notes on it. At all. This yeah. is this is done and done. Yeah, I I tried offering notes on that before. He is not hearing it, Autumn. Nope, 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 nope. Don't send me unsolicited emails. I'm just like Marvel. Like, don't send me unsolicited <laughs> ideas in the mail because I will not. I will just return them unopened. I no, because no. I have my own shit that I'm doing. It's a liability thing. It's not that you don't care. It's not that you don't think. Not that I don't good. care. Yeah. I, I would love to read it one day. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, uh, Henry and Eddie decide to, uh, decide to head off to that, to that mansion in the, in the neighborhood of Dutch Hill. And this is where the stories, um, kind of get interleaved again, because parallel motion is happening as, you know, an Eddie on one side is leading Jake, uh, to the mansion and an Eddie on another side is leading, you know, Roland and Susanna, uh, to the circle, right? So we're going to be ping-ponging mm-hmm. back and forth. Sorry about the confusion. We will try our best to keep it separated, but they are in the they, they are on opposite sides of a very thin wall at this point. Um, and when they get to the mansion, Eddie, or not the mansion. Fuck! I just said I was going to make it not confusing. Um, <laughs> when they get to the circle, um, Eddie notices that it smells exactly like the old mansion did. Like he can smell the plaster and the and the rotting furniture and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Jake on the other side, when he gets to the mansion itself, he can notice, um, this, uh, kind of eye watering smell, you know, saying like, um, oh gosh, it was like a beastly zoo, uh, smell. Let me see here. Um, oh yes. Uh, below these smells was another, uh, the smell of some beast lair again, drawing that comparison to the house on Nybold street, which smells like it, right. This, the presence of this demon. Um, and if there was if there was ever a time to drop some mescaline, oh man, is it now? <laughs> because things are about <laughs> to get real. You're not going to need to see forests burning on the horizon. Uh, it's going to be much closer because you know, like they roll up. Eddie needs to do his business inside the circle, um, and because the way these circles work, guess what? You have invisible demons um, who are going to come and use sex as both its weapon and its weakness, right? So Roland's like, all right, if it's a lady, I'm on deck. And if it's a dude, you're on deck. And Susanna says, well, what if it goes both ways? And you're like, well, we'll both work together, I suppose. Um, and very specifically, uh, Roland tells Susanna to call up Detta in order to kind of like cope with this, in order to be a, uh, you know, a more formidable force to kind of take the psychological brunt of what is going to happen. When this demon emerges again, invisible, you know, appearing just as, you know, the, the, uh, what is it? The eye watering smell of gin and juniper and running straight at her. Right. You know, I feel like Roland could have helped out a little bit more. I, I know he pulls Jake up a little bit later, but for like Eddie's carving a door, Susanna's doing what she's doing. Roland's sitting on his dead ass for most of this. Yeah. He's supervising. <laughs> like, like, like throw a hand out or something, Roland, like. I mean, throw geez. a hand out jesus christ <laughs> throw what is the throw a hand out i don't know what this means uh i mean just like you know help it along i think is what she was saying ah, i'm assuming okay. my dirty minded wife was talking about throwing a hand out um, oh yeah oh yep there we go yeah yeah there we are yeah i mean just it just seems like a real short straw kind of thing like oh whoops it's a dude see ya like come on Roland, get it together i'll, I'll be over here holding up the tarp so eddie doesn't get wet <laughs> yeah but Put put me in, Coach. Like, <laughs> yeah. Roland already knows that the most uh, the most erogenous zone that a speaking dean has is behind its knees, and yet does not spend any time on the knees whatsoever. It's really nope. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, 
It's 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 a real um, it's a real fuck you to Susanna. It's a real fuck you to Susanna. I uh I this this whole thing reads really weird to me. Like we've seen this with with Roland in the first book with where he had to like you know subdue the speaking to me by fucking basically, and this is the twist on that. And I, I really feel like Stephen King is trying to be uh. And of course, not at the time because we didn't use that kind of language at the time. But nowadays, he's trying to be very woke, right? Like this is this is Susanna reversing the rape. Like so, this demon kind of attacks her, and then she she takes over and doesn't let it go, and it can't it can't leave because it's so helpless with this lust. It can't it can't stop unless she let specifically lets this demon that's continually having sex with her go, even though it, it's kind of wounding her physically and psychologically because there's this psychic bond between them. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't I don't know if I'd particularly like this, and I, it's it is what it is, and it, it's it's kind of brushed over pretty quickly, and I think that's a lot of my problem with it. And I don't I don't want to jump ahead too much, but mm-hmm. I mean I guess spoiler alert: our heroes come out okay at the end of this. So, but it's it's right right after this, like Eddie's not kind of weirded out about this. Susanna seems pretty okay about it. It's going to have some repercussions in book four, but we're not really there yet, and. I, for now, like as soon as all this is over with, they're like, yay. And they yeah. just go about their quest, which I, I just, I feel like Eddie would be like, I mean, are you serious? Seriously? Are you okay? Like it, it's everything are fine. Like, do we need to get a doctor? Do I need to like, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I automatic? Am I reading that wrong? Or what, what, what do you it, think it, about this? And cause I'm, it, it, it is a bit strange that they never discuss it again. I, I, maybe that's more representative. I mean, we did talk about it for a minute, but maybe you're like, okay, this weird thing happened. We had to do some magic. No one ever talk about this again. Yeah. But it seems weird when that's your um, common law wife to do that. Y- y- you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that King has done before and and kind of does every once in a while, which is have the woman make this kind of sacrifice of herself by using the power of the fact that she has the equipment to have sex. You know, with you know whatever male presence is there. You know, no spoilers for it, but people know about that, about that infamous scene. Like there is, you know, there, there, mm-hmm. there is a sacrifice that is made in that that is, you know, specifically sexual. And it happens again here as well, you know. And is there anyone in existence that isn't a little bit scared of Detta? I mean, she's she's terrifying the sex demon, too. Roland was scared. <laughs> Everyone's scared of her. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I literally think that that is that that is the out that 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 King was trying to take, which is, well, it wasn't mm-hmm. Susanna. Who was taking the? Uh, who was taking this trauma? Right. It was. It was Detta. But the act still happens. It's still. It's still there. And you would think that there would be some. There would be some. I don't know. Like, not like dwelling, but a, a little bit of a repercussion psychologically after that, because like this sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And the justification of um, like Detta. This is what this is something that Detta. I mean, not this, but Detta has a history of leading men on and uh, leaving them with blue balls. Like she would go attract these men at clubs and kind of work them up and then abandon them, and and almost be excited at the idea that they would get mad at her and try to attack her. Like that was the kind of damaged personality that that Detta was, and now she's using that against this demon. And it's just like at the end of this, she even says like she won, like she's she's still the undefended, undefeated. Uh, like parking lot queen or something. Yeah, like she the, uses the, the weird champion of the of the roadhouse. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, with Patrick Swayze, that was a sequel that nobody mm-hmm. ever wrote, nobody ever watched. Uh, <laughs> it was it was the <laughs> the roadhouse to Havana Nights. They they both converged. <laughs> it was actually a crossover. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> fun fact my uh, my stepdad actually has a uh, background role in roadhouse four which was filmed in north louisiana so wait a minute what random yeah i know okay i know well, man oh, I gotta, I, i'm wedding i got a like, phone call one day <laughs> I, I am wedding at like five different five different parts of that sentence <laughs> i mean it's it, it's cool that you're as, as cool that you're your stepdad was in that was in a movie like that's that's that, that that's real neat um there was a roadhouse four apparently they just kept making those films just like you know they never they just kept going to whatever garbage direct to dvd at a truck stop kind of release and yeah, like, yeah louisiana for a while had like a bunch of tax credits for filming movies so it was really easy to like film movies in shreveport and they huh. were looking for biker looking dudes and autumn could attest that my stepdad is an extremely biker looking dude like six <laughs> foot seven ponytail he, tattoos the whole got, nine so he's yeah. got the the zz top beard oh nice yeah 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 totally yeah so yeah like he was in anyway we're getting way off topic i'm sorry um <laughs> no, it's back a... to the uh, back to the brutal sexual assault everybody yeah, why not <laughs> well well wait just to tie it in there is a little part there when they're introducing Detta into this um speaking circle nightmare where they say she had legs in those days and as the song says she knew how to use them that's a ZZ Top yeah. lyric, right? I think. Yep, nicely, nicely done. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. yeah. ZZ Top is just spread throughout this entire thing. Huh. <laughs> I guess it's not the song of Eddie. It's um, the song of ZZ Top. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The song of Dusty Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it took me a minute there to to, to pull that up. I, I know the, the, the one guy's last name is Beard does not, in fact, have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this is going on and it's going to be going on, you know, in the, in, in the background of all this, but the, but the gambit is that Detta is fierce enough to keep this demon busy, you know, because of the fact that it's, um, you know, it's, it's one advantage is also, it's one, it's one weakness again, a comparison to it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> uh, meanwhile, uh, back on the other side, Jake decides to enter the house, right? Um, I love how he describes um, the the appearance of the house from the outside, specifically the color saying, oh, it was, you know, once probably painted white, but now it's a dirty gray, no color, which immediately put up my antenna. That's the color of the desert. That's the color of the color of the Mohane, right? Mm. This, this, mm. this dirty like gray, that. no yeah. color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Jake gets a sense of menacing off of this. Like, oh, it's like a dangerous dog, which is pretending uh, to be asleep. Um, and as he walks into it, he hears it waking up. He gets that smell. Um, he sees that the inside of it has these strange dimensions. He sees a wall. He sees wallpaper with dancing elves on it. Which, yeah, it's the house on Nebold Street from it. It's not the exact house, but it is a similar, um, you know, nightmare haven. I guess would be would be a, a, a way to describe it. Who who is the decorator in this house? They've got a daguerreotype of a lynching. <laughs> yeah, they, they they've got wallpaper covered in elves. Like it's somebody that it's the same person that decorated the uh, room fourteen oh eight, right? Like it's the same mm-hmm. kind of style of oh, or is that just fresh fruit? Or no, that is definitely rotted fruit. Like <laughs> at one point, Jake sees a uh, he sees a all of the kitchen cabinets are open, and he sees a dead mouse, and then he kind of starts because he's like, oh wait, that that rat's eyes are, are moving and they're <laughs> white and he's like oh no that's just straight up maggots never mind there's maggots moving around in this thing no, no big deal this, guys call this, it off <laughs> no big deal nbd nbd this whole section is so gross like with the spiders falling on him and then the spiders like fall down and get squished by their own weight mm-hmm. and he's he's smashing spot he's getting bit he actually gets bitten by a spider yeah. in this and it's 
reading it today, it, it, right after I got home from work, I'm on the couch, like just hanging out, having a great day. And I'm just like trying to like I'm, I'm wiping my arms, just trying to get the non-existent spiders off of me because it's so creepily written. I hate it so much. It's just the idea of them being so overripe that that the fall makes them splat. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, this is the worst episode of Fixer Upper on Home and Garden ever, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is a this is a handyman's dream. I think is is the way it, is. it would be listed on Zillow. Yeah, handyman's nightmare. Yeah, but like it, it's a great description of a of a haunted house. You know, it's this big Victorian. You know, like it, it probably once was a mansion. But like, I'm always going to be a sucker for you know an evil place, right? Uh, love that in Silent Hill. I love that in House of Leaves. Like the fact that everything takes on a strange dimension. The angles are not quite right. Um, you know, the, the, the rooms seem just a little bit too big, you know, notwithstanding, you know, what's inside these rooms, which are, you know, pictures of severed heads and stuff like just the place itself is wrong. Yeah. Way, way into it. And as Jake goes in, he's like, why is nobody stopping me? Like, Oh no, I'm actually like between worlds right now. Fuck it. This is like, this is literally the hell in between. (laughs) What a great line that is. Like, we've all been there like, how am I getting away with this? Why is no one? Some, somebody stop me. I did not pay for yeah, the I, Snickers. Yeah. I am obviously doing wrong things and nobody is stopping me. Somebody should be doing <laughs> something. Call an adult. Call an adult. <laughs> somebody, somebody please stop me. Um, but yeah, like the, like the spider drops him and it makes him lose his shit. Like the last of his composure goes away and actually like that causes him to run down a hallway and actually find the door that he has been looking for, you know, this entire time since he has started hearing the voices, right? He sees has a plaque, uh, with the boy written across, um, which is a weird thing to have in a house. Yeah. I mean, depending on where the lock is, if the lock is inside the closet, then you get the boy on the outside. And I'm, I'm kidding, kidding. Don't put locks on the outside of closets, guys. It's, it's really gross. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it sends a message. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, he's there. But uh oh, uh, it's not just that there is a demon in the house. It is that the house is a demon. As the doorman, oh gosh, I love this image so goddamn much. Uh, the face starts uh, like pushing out of the plaster, like somebody walking through a wet sheet. It's like the cover of Gabriel Knight Two <laughs> at the beginning of this. Well, it's look. um, it's like wh- I-, I remember reading this for the first time and immediately going to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, right, where yeah. Freddy is coming out of the wall above the sleeping girl. Oh that, shit, that's, you're right. That yeah. to me is 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 exactly the like the scene. That's what I always go back to when I see this. Except of course this this gets. A little bit crazier than even Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street can, but yeah, that's that's what I yeah. always go to on this. But yeah, like it's it's did, a go ahead. Did, I was going to ask, did did we see this house for just a second in the Dark Tower trailer? Yes, I feel so, like there was just mm-hmm. a moment mm-hmm. where you did see the 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 house um, starting to turn into something. Yes, it, it like it it is just like a like a blink and you miss it kind of thing, and it's more like a. Uh, like a kind of a whirling dervish or like a tornado of debris inside the house that is like reaching out and carrying Jake. Yeah. Um, but, but like we also see Jake going into an abandoned house, but I guess spoilers for that trailer, which you've probably seen. Um, we also see Jake going into an abandoned house and actually finding like technological equipment, like, uh, like, like the artificial doors that we will see later, um, kind of pepper, mm. you know, pepper throughout the world, but mostly, you know, in this, in this house that I think 
is what actually gets him into Roland's world in the first place. That's just supposition, but I could also <laughs> see the demon kind of using that as a way to, uh, you know, go after him. Man, there's mm-hmm. six doors in the Dark Tower trailer, and Jake keeps walking into the wall. <laughs> yeah, well, the, wall keep, the wall keeps forcibly picking him up and throwing him. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this you know this plastic face starts emerging like Freddy, um, you know from the from the wall, and actually like its body um, starts uh, assembling out of the debris from the house around it, like. The, the the wallpaper you know one of the elves turns into like a tattoo on its forehead um you know and this is gigantic as well like it's you know one big arm that is free and reaching out grasping for jake as everything else is kind of building out um into the rest of his body and this is the time pressure on jake's side as he has to fight this off uh but oops he dropped the key <laughs> what a doofus you Funny. doofus Jakey doofus, come on. <laughs> because it wouldn't be a horror movie if uh, if, if somebody didn't, you know, There's... drop the key while they were fumbling for the lock. He's 11. Come on. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have, I have watched enough, of enough horror movies in my life to know that any kind of important item, you just want to strap that shit to your wrist. Yep. Like get a little static, you know, where there's anti-static lines and just have it. As soon mm-hmm. as you drop it, you just you know snap it right back into your hand and you're done. That's all you got to do. <laughs> go, go to Hot Topic, get yourself a wallet chain. <laughs> Yes, Jake. Please, Jake. This look. This can go on our uh, fake Facebook wall for Jake Cole. Come on, <laughs> went to Hot Topic today. Bought a wallet chain for my special key. <laughs> for, for, for my for my special hypnosis key. Also an event for sevenfold my special t-shirt. hypnosis key. Yeah. I, <laughs> sevenfold. I love the moment when Jake's scrambling and nothing's working, and the house actually eats little man's pants. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because she just say it grabs him and pulls off his pants. Yeah, uh, he eats it. It reminds me, you know, we were talking about Chipotle earlier. It reminds me of when I accidentally eat the foil without meaning to, and I'm oh. like, oh, I wanted, I wanted the burrito, now I have foil oh. in my mouth. Like, he ate little man's pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this uh, that, that demon better be careful, or else he's going to die of appendicitis, or I guess <laughs> water cooler inflammation, or water heater inflammation. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but he but he manages to get the key back up and opens it up but he finds that no this is like one of those conjoined hotel rooms because there are two doors mine is made of wood this other is made of earth it's actually kind of bizarre i love the inversion of space between the two of them me because- too anytime you do stuff like this i absolutely love it like when you're jumping through doors and coming out at a different angle on the other side yeah love that shit it's like uh it's like portal <laughs> it's exactly like portal which autumn i'm sorry I know, I know you have yet to understand portal but despite my many many attempts to explain portal to you <laughs> <laughs> but but like it you know it's it, it's very much the same thing like you know, even even though jake is looking through this horizontally the the door that eddie has drawn and, and is working on is is oriented vertically so he is looking at the bottom of of, of eddie's door even though he is looking sideways like this whole world is orthogonal right and unfortunately, we encounter my arch nemesis worms again. Ooh. I suffered through the spiders. <laughs> now, now Jake is staring at this big thing of dirt that's full of worms. Oh yeah, worms and roots. Are are are, are, are worms a, uh, a a sensitive subject for you? I I don't I don't care for them. Mm. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> so so there's that. Um, and while this is happening, people from the outside see the house crack down the middle and start pulling inward like it's kind of imploding on itself which sign me up that sounds great 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it sounds great when you're across the street and not involved at all. Oh, I'd still run. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd take a picture, say, neat, like Bender, and then I would run. But <laughs> <laughs> I really like the guy that parked, got out of his truck, looked at it, and was like, wow, this is really weird. And was like, oh, no, wait, this is really bad weird. Got in his truck and just... This hot-tailed ass out of there. That was yeah. really, really great. Yeah, and I like the guy who was walking along, and he saw it, and then he was like, wait a minute, what? And then he rubbed his eyes, and then he threw down his uh, the, the the brown paper bag with the bottle in it. He's like, I won't drink ever again, and then he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's such a stereotype. I love it. Like, I'm surprised that the bottle in the paper bag wasn't just a little jug that had XXX on it, yeah. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So on the other side of the door, um, we have Eddie, who is trying to work on this, but uh-oh, uh, the key is not exactly right. So maybe that little bit of Henry, uh, maybe he had a point. I, I guess Eddie should have just carved a little piss pot for his teeny peeny, just like Henry suggested. <laughs> yep. Everything oh, Henry no. said was right. <laughs> Every single thing was right. Yeah, you, you would have a piss pot right now, and instead you got nothing. <laughs> so... And again, we have these two different fights going on. Uh, Eddie is fighting his own inner demons. It's like, oh, no, you fucked up. You, you know, who knows? Um, and Jake is on the other side, swinging around like Indiana Jones on a chain, kicking at the demon's face. <laughs> and, and again, he's got no pants. Yep. He's just wearing his little boy briefs. He's got his little <laughs> He-Man underoos on. like Because he's 11. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> You're accurately describing the situation. <laughs> um but i but but i love this what happens on the other side with eddie you know he's beating himself up and after all this time of being tormented by voices you know um <laughs> of his brother of his mom the the gunslinger cold drops over him the uh the same sensation that went over Susanna when she had to make the shot and take out uh the uh the dish on top of shardick's head this clarity and you know all of the other voices fly away and he hears his own voice you know you saw the shape of the key in the fire you saw it again in the wood and both times you saw it perfectly later on you put a blindfold of fear over your eyes take it off take it off and look again it may not be too late even now and with this pep talk that he administers to himself he goes full surgeon reaches over says scalpel um and then corrects his his error by shaving off a nearly transparent piece of wood. He was that close. What I'm saying is, I, Eddie I is damn good, and I want him to make me a chair. I, I guess in, in that case, I should walk back what I said earlier. Roland did throw a handout um, to, to help things along. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a knife to finish the carving. There you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but this is enough. Um, this is enough to actually get him to lift up this piece of uh, this piece of earth and open the door between them. Um, and something bizarre happens. I guess I never paid that close of attention to how how things resolve, how they actually get rid of these two demons. Right. Um, I'm just going to summarize this and we can talk about how ridiculous it is. Roland says to Detta, hey, let him go. It manifests as this kind of manta ray beast with a hooked tail and starts flying Roland grabs a hold of it, steers it through the door. He is in New York right now. He lets go of the demon and it flies. He has steered it into the doorman demon's mouth, causing it to choke and relinquish Jake so that he can be pulled up 
into the, the world um, by uh, by Eddie and Susanna um, as the house implodes and both demons are taken out of the equation. That's it, it, is that the dumbest possible thing, or is it baller as fuck? Also, presu- presumably taken out, right? Because I mean, otherwise, there's a there's a significant possibility that. Roland just released a sex demon on Jake's win, right? Like that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, like that's not a great thing, a great thing to do because it could, in theory, survive this house imploding. It, yeah. it, it's it's a bit ridiculous. Like it's it's a it's a neat bow on a situation which, like, okay, now everybody's fine. Like they they can have this moment of rest because everything's disappeared. And I I think it's narratively kind of. Man, I really hate to use terms terms like lazy, but it just really feels like Stephen King going. I don't really know how to end this. Let's just put it over in that world. All of my characters will be in this world and then we can move on from there. Yeah. All, all that I know is that in um, Brooklyn in the seventies, nobody needs to go in this house now. <laughs> like, like now, no. now that there's a sex, sex demon in it, you definitely don't need to go to the house on that street. No, no, I would recommend against it. Um, yeah. we, 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 this, we, this is actually known as the bad sex demon street. There's a good sex demon street right off of bleaker. So you want to go yeah. to that one. Yeah. That one's got the nice Denny's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laquita, I mean, sex demon and also next to Denny's in Spanish. <laughs> Wait, you've heard that joke too. I've always heard it as uh, uh, Laquita is uh, Spanish for next to the highway. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's a good even one too. Autumn, Autumn, I think Autumn told me this. Yeah, Autumn always says uh, it's, it's Spanish for next to Denny's, so that's mm. that's pretty good. <laughs> nice. uh, I, I I did learn that from a middle-aged man, um, so <laughs> I, I can't. I, I did I did not invent it. It was somebody at a Denny's, I think, when I was like doing a sales trip or something. He was like, "You know why they call it La Quinta?" And I was like, "What old man? I don't know." <laughs> so, gotta credit my sources. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, old man. Yeah. Um, so this whole process, <laughs> thanks old man. The, 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 what, what do you think? Cole? You, you didn't really comment. Do you think this is badass or not? I don't think it's badass. I think it is, it is suitably goofy for this series. Um, I just, I, I was going to say that we, we didn't talk about a line earlier that Eddie said, which is where Eddie actually mentions the phrase deus ex machina. And he's like, I associate that with like B movies and comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, I associate that with Stephen King novels. Yep. <laughs> and it seems like a little bit deus ex machina to be like, oh, look, the sex demon went through the door and we never have to worry about him again. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, it's a it's 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 pretty deus ex machina. Um, all, all I can see is Roland had to get the last, uh, you know, the last laugh on this. Like, oh, it was one final thing to seal it all up. And, uh, and because of the because of the proliferation of these sex demons and where they arise from, I have to imagine there are others in our in our world and when. So I don't know. I don't know how bad I feel about one being there because they, they're kind of all over the place, as we find out later. I I am a bit baffled, but I don't know that this is the appropriate time or place to talk about it. Probably the time and place to talk about it is later in books five, six, somewhere in there. But mm-hmm. um, it, this isn't the sex demon that Roman Roland saw originally, like shifting aspects or anything, right? Is this is this a new sex demon that it's fine to just send to Jake's world? Yeah, this is a new one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because this one, this one is overwhelmingly like masculine, is what, um, is how Odetta, or excuse me, how Detta describes it when it comes into the speaking circle. Yeah, uh, she, she's o- like she's overwhelmed by its masculinity or whatever, which yeah. sounds really gross now that I say that out loud. So oh, sorry. That smells like but, um, gin. 
Yeah. Those are the two scents that Brute Cologne is based on, right? Gin and Juniper, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like the famous Snoop Dogg song, Gin and Juniper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I, I think the mechanics of what you're talking about are um, explored later on. I, I believe that these are two different demons uh, between the two of them. Yeah. Um, uh, moving, moving on beyond that, this whole thing has been a very unsubtle, um, metaphor for birth, right? Even back to when they were talking about, uh, you know, like, oh, he said knife, like it was scalpel, like he was in an operating room delivering a baby talking about if, you know, if, if the key wasn't carved perfectly, you know, Jake would surely die just as a baby who was delivered with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck would die. Um, you know, the fact that <laughs> this demon has kind of partially unclothed Jake um, and he emerges into this world, pulled out by the hair, bleeding and battered, um, <laughs> you know, into this, you know, wet and scary <laughs> world. Um, it's all there. Like it, it is, it, it is not very subtle, um, but it's still there. Like they have merged the two timelines and, you know, they, they kind of have this moment of being reintroduced to each other. Does, it, does this it, rebirth, I guess, metaphor work for the two of you? Because I mean, you're, you're right, Cole, that it's very not subtle. Roland calls Eddie a, a midwife several times during this entire section where they're where they're trying to get Jake out of this. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's a description where when they come out of this door that they, they literally say they come out of it as if they were being birthed. Like it's it's not subtle at all. But it, I, I don't understand why they have to do it. Like it's. To me, like it's 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 this process is emerging more than a birthing. Does that does that make sense at all? What I what I kind of took away from it, and uh, this might be reaching a little too far, but I, there was a line earlier that we didn't mention where Eddie is talking about being nervous about the key, and he says like, "Help me find some guts. That's my wish. Like, help me find some guts to to try and finish this key." I, it seems like, I don't know, there's almost like a Wizard of Oz kind of motif. Like, Eddie needs some courage. Like, he literally mm -hmm. says, I need guts. Jake wants to go home. Like, he's like Dorothy. Like, mm -hmm. I just want to go to the real world, which is um, mid-world. Um, I, I don't know if Roland needs a heart or if mm -hmm. Roland needs his mind back. Like, he needs brains. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, um, Jake just want to get home so badly. And I, I guess it might be a ham-handed womb kind of motif. But, um. You just want to go home to, yeah. to the real world. Yeah. I mean, th there's definitely, I mean, you're, you're not off base because like the Wizard of Oz stuff is super, is laid on super thick later on. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I, 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 I just, oh, good. I just don't know what, what, uh, cause we even have like a, a Billy Bumbler that's like Toto. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't know what Susanna needs and how she fits into the motif. Yeah. Did she either needs, she, does she need a heart? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Su Susanna has always been the uh, kind of the odd one out because uh, Eddie is definitely Cuthbert, and um, you know, she Susanna shares uh, shares Elaine duties with uh, with with Jake. Yeah, her her role. I, I forget because because there definitely is a Wizard of Oz scene later. I forget what she is cast as. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Susanna is an average, right? She's a maiden, a mother, and a crone. Like she's mm -hmm. um. A, a Susan, mm -hmm. a Rhea, and a Mia. Huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she she definitely is a very ambiguous character in those archetypes. Yeah. Hmm. The, the the birthing thing is it is fine. I I think that I think that it like 
it is it is done with a certain amount of i don't know thoroughness like the the the, the motif is is built out and complete you know you have somebody you know emerging with effort and help from others into a you know a scary new world to actually f- fulfill their purpose it is it is an emergence but mm-hmm. it is it it is assisted and it is dangerous you know, between the two of them, like, you know, you, you basically have most of the, uh, most of the elements of childbirth there, you know, somebody's actually having sex in the corner, <laughs> you know, I, I feel so badly for that, um, doorkeeper house guy because he had one job, which was eating a kid and he blew it. Yeah. He, he had a demon instead. You had one job to watch the door and eat any kids that come to your house. He's, like, he's got spider eggs on his face. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But um, Jake goes first to uh, to Roland and says, you, you won't let me drop this time, will you? And Roland says, no, not this time, not ever again. But he doesn't really mean it. He's... He, he still will put the tower <laughs> over Jake. Like he says it, but he doubts, you know, but sometimes that's what a father has to do is say something they're unsure of, you know, in a way that makes somebody else believe that they're sure of it. It just, um, <laughs> as somebody reading this again and just strongly identifying with Jake and just, you know, wanting Jake to be okay. Right. Like I the, the, just want to protect him as the young teenagers say now, nowadays on the internet, just protect him, protect him. Ugh. Um, hearing like Jake say, you won't drop me anymore. And Roland say, of course not. And then internally he looks into his heart and he realizes he'll do anything for the dark tower, which is mm-hmm. basically the way the text reads. It's like, fuck you, man. I think that was, was kind of my t- turn on Roland a little bit. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, no, Roland's it, great. I, I love Roland, but like, wow. Like, I mean, like already, like give, give this dude a week of just, you know, pure love and then start thinking your bad, weird thoughts about the tower. <laughs> but he instantly goes back to the tower every yeah. single time. And it shows you how driven and how obsessive he is about it and how a lot of this stuff is kind of his own fault in a lot of ways that the, the things that are going to happen eventually. Yeah. I, I just, man, man, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You fell in with such a, such a monomaniacal yeah. shithead. Yeah. You chose a there poor a father perfect, figure, man. Like I'm. <laughs> I was gonna say there is a perfect um, office moment in here, right, where Roland says, "Oh my God, I would never drop you," and then they cut to him with the camera and he's shaking his head, <laughs> yeah. just silent. Nope. Like, oh my God, I, we'll be friends forever. They cut to the camera and he's shaking his head. That is a classic. Uh, 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 what, what, what the hell, but Mahiri? Um, what is uh, what is Mindy? Kelly Kapoor. That's a Kelly Kapoor. That's a classic <laughs> Kelly Kapoor moment. Just looking at the camera and shaking her head. Nope. <laughs> Ryan, I'm pregnant. <laughs> nope. Oh, gosh. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Susanna and Eddie are like, hey, yo, you're, you're a kid, aren't you? And he's like, hey, we met before, haven't we? Yeah. Well, welcome again. <laughs> is, your, is your dad a, uh, what does he say? Is your dad, does your dad own? own a train company and Susanna starts laughing like no yeah. he's a dentist what are you talking about <laughs> I don't understand that one bit <laughs> I don't know M- maybe maybe you know not growing up in uh, the the part of the century that Stephen King grew up in I cannot readily identify train manufacturers um maybe Holmes is a kind of train I I I have no idea but like yeah <laughs> well, the, well no this, this is the uh the 
the choo-choo thing, right? Because it oh, was her. Shit. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The the kid's name was Susanna. Mister uh, Martin's name, the president of the of the company, her, his daughter's name was Susanna. Yeah, Holmes. Yeah, fuck. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally missed mm-hmm. that. Huh. Oh, and also when he comes here, he says, "Oh, you haven't gotten to the train yet." <laughs> like, yeah. kind of ominously. Um. Yeah, and so the chapter ends again with Jake's composure. You know, he's put on a very brave face, even though he's had a big day. Um, but he hugs Roland again, and he finally, you know, starts weeping. And we end, you know, this chapter and this section of the book with another reminder that no, nothing is certain. He's still not sure if he's going to have to sacrifice the boy again. And Which yeah, is the coolest. It's just the coolest. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, just like when when I first read this, the uh, the, the the combination of the bear attack and the house attack. Um, you know, like yes, it's not subtle. Like it is a ridiculous outsized horror thing. You know, outsized was kind of the word of the week when we talked about that particular chapter. It's back again, but it is a kind of horror and a kind of metaphysical fuckery that I'm like way down for. Like my jaw was just agape when I read the section at the start. But yeah, like, 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 how about you guys? Like, this is, this has been a, 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 a ride. Any, any final thoughts on this, Autumn? Um, I guess that, um, I am me, uh, the Cotet is the boys and we are cracking into a cold one, which is the second half of the book. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are memes, y'all. Yep, Those that, are memes. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> we, we are dating ourselves. It is May 31st of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that meme has been that meme has been good for like two days so it's gonna be dead in another 45 minutes <laughs> oh oh definitely like we're recording this like two weeks i think before the episode comes out <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but you're right we're about to crack into like uh, the, there is something there right with the boys um mm-hmm. some lobsters on the beach you know like cracking into a cold one which is roland's hand <laughs> i mean the, 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 there's mm-hmm. there's there's a lot going on here mm-hmm. yeah all the pieces are in place jeremy how about you i i mean again i talked about this last episode and um i'll I'll say it again this this book just moves at the at the first and we get so much of a glimpse into things that are happening in this world and the the cosmology of this universe expands so greatly during this this book that i i just can't help but love it I, i love all of this stuff even even this weird speaking demon sex demon thing like i it works within the confines of the novel, um, and I, I I don't find myself minding it that much. I, I just, man, like, Jake is so awesome, and Jake and, and Roland being together is such a great moment. Like, you feel like these two family members that, that have been, you know, distant from one another have reunited. And we actually, like, we almost have our full quartet together. Like, we're, and mm-hmm. we, we think at the end of this of this book, we have our full quartet together. And I... Oh man, like all of this stuff is so good. I got, I, I, I feel like when I listen, especially when I listen back to these episodes, and I'm over enthusiastic about it. But it, y'all, I actually just really like this book a whole lot. Like it's not me just being super excited. Actually, it is just me being super excited about this book. Let me rephrase. <laughs> yeah, but hey, but but it's you know justified, right? Like like there is a tremendous amount of cool and affecting stuff, and you get to see these characters kind of being the the highest best most active versions of themselves right mm-hmm. and it's i mean eddie has really great moments Susanna has really great moments roland is kind of like a almost an absentee dad in all of this he doesn't do a whole lot but man you get to know <laughs> you get to know jake so much mm-hmm. 
Roland is is the classic absentee dad. Now that I'm saying that out loud, but <laughs> yep. you, you get to, you get to you get to learn Jake so much. Like you learn that character and him being brought into this world. And now I feel like our quest can finally begin. I feel like finally in the in the middle of book three, like we, <laughs> we finally have a good quest started out. Right, like this yeah. is the beginning of the Lord of the Rings where we finally got our seven people together. So yeah, the fellowship is together. The fellowship is together. Almost spoilers. Almost <laughs> just about. <laughs> and, and like it's almost together we just need some somebody to run out of the woods and say hey you want me to come with you okay sure why not yeah, exactly <laughs> um but yeah i love the way this chapter is constructed you know we undid a little bit of that by disentangling it but like it is you know these two parallel narratives that are converging right you know you you, you go back and forth until like they're literally you know, flashing back and forth from section to section, um, you know, as we look on the other side of this door, on the other side of this very thin wall. Um, I think the, uh, the, the, the birth metaphor is, 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 is pretty good, even if it's, you know, not used with the very lightest of touches. Um, it's hard to answer for the, uh, for the data and speaking demon thing. And I think that even where that goes ends up being a little bit uh, kind of, eh, you know, in, in the overall scheme of things. Um, you know, like the, the, the fruit that that ultimately bears, but that is, that is not enough for me personally to outweigh kind of the awesomeness of this demon to outweigh, you know, how, how with it Jake is, um, and to kind of outweigh Eddie finally throwing off the, you know, the, the yoke of Henry finally being able to, you know, enact this, you know, ultimate creation and, you know, do something concrete for himself and for the group. I really like your use of the words, uh, the phrase with it, because that's exactly what Jake is throughout <laughs> this first section of this book is absolutely with it. He's just fucking got it. And it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's my new like orphan fantasy, right? It's, it's not that um, you find out that your parents were royalty. You find out that your parents are gunslingers. Like <laughs> Elmer, you're, you're not my dad, Elmer. <laughs> Roland's my real dad. Not my real dad. You can't tell me what to do. <sighs> awesome. Well, I'm, <laughs> good. I'm going on, I'm going on French leave. See you, Elmer. <laughs> that doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not not you, Jake. This is somebody somebody tells Jake that yeah, you'll be shot for that. You realize that, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll be back next time with uh the next chapter, which I believe is um what, like Cotet and Bridge or something like that? I uh, we need to look at the sheet. The next chapter, um, with another assembled panel. Thank you so much, Autumn and Jeremy. Autumn, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me in the Radio Free Midworld Slack channel on the Duckfeed Slack. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. Awesome. And uh, Jeremy, same question. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. I do a lot of podcasts about a lot of different things. So um, the week we're recording this, I actually have a ridiculous amount of content coming out. So this has been the hashtag week <laughs> of content for me. So uh, just go to that Twitter and I retweet all of that stuff. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Nice. Um, and yeah, uh, you can find me on other shows on duckfeed.tv and also at Cole Ross on Twitter, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. And we'll be back next time with more. Uh, please leave a rating or a review um, or uh, tell your friends about this show. Uh, because we are in the swing of it. And until next time, 
long days, and pleasant nights.